Hey, welcome to New City Online. Thanks so much for joining us today. And if this is your first time tuning in, we wanna let you know that no matter where you are physically right now, no matter where you are emotionally or even spiritually, we're glad you're here with us. If you'd like to let us know you're here, you can do so at newcity.us connect. Fill that form out online and I'll be in touch with you this week. And here at New City, we wanna be known as a generous church. In 1 John 3, there are a few words that explain why we wanna live our lives as generous people. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let's show the truth by our actions. You know, I love that last verse, let's show the truth by our actions. With that in mind, I wanna ask you for your help as we launch our newest serve project, School Spirit Back to School. This is a big project that our church has taken on to provide school supplies for every student in our two partner schools, Greenway Park and Ottawa Elementary, so that they're ready for this new school year. If you'd like to give to support this project or any of the ministry at New City Church, you can do so at newcity.us give. Now let's continue to worship together.
Is he 
Father, that is our prayer this morning. That you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear from you. That we stand in amazing and in wonder of who you are. am I ever going to use this? This has been a statement I've used many times in my life, and maybe you has, have as well, but as I was thinking about this week, I, I've, I've used this so many times in my life when I've been in situations where I'm, I'm learning about things. I, I was thinking back to sixth grade. I was in class, and, and we started learning about Greek mythology, and I remember raising my hand and telling the teacher, why are we learning this? When in the world are we ever going to need this? And then later on in college, I've, I've decided I'm going to pick a sociology major, and I, and I know that one day I want to try to go into seminary, and so here I am. I'm sitting in geology, and, I, and I'm sitting here in college algebra, and I'm thinking, why am I here? What purpose is, is it for me to sit in these classes and learn these things thinking I'm never going to use them again ever in my life? And to be honest with you, I, I think I still struggle with this today. And, and maybe you can relate with me on this, right? Is maybe you've sat through meetings, you've, you've been in situations where people are, are bringing forth a lot of information to you and you just think to yourself, what is the point of all this? What am I, when am I ever going to use this? And you know, for me, I think, if I'm being honest, I think it certainly stems from a bad attitude at times. There's no doubt about that. But it does, interesting enough, bring up a unique question for us today, which is, what, what are we truly seeking when it comes to learning? As we think about being in these situations and going through school, going through life, all these different things as we're learning things, why is it that we learn? What, what is the point of it all? Is it merely to obtain knowledge or is there perhaps something greater at stake? Is there something else that we need to be informed about? Well, today I, I want to look at a passage that I think directly deals with this issue. And, and in fact, it's one of my favorite passages of all time. And, and I believe it's extremely convicting, it's compelling, and I believe it's ultimately transformative here. It's a passage I think we all need to be reminded of constantly as we think about this very question here. Why do we seek to understand even this book? You know, here at New City, we're, we're committed to teaching God's Word here you know, what is the goal of spending so much time? Why do we weekly get together and go through this book in attempts to help educate people on it? And I think the Bible is going to give us a very clear answer as to why that is. So if you have a copy of scripture, we're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy today. And we'll also be on the New City app where you'll see the, the passage preloaded there already. But we're going to be in the, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 1. If you'd like to go ahead and follow with me along here, it says this. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith, 
May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Such a beautiful intro, right? Don't you? Sometimes I wish we, we spoke to each other like this, but nonetheless, we start off this book, and we learn right off the bat that this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to this young man, a young disciple named Timothy. And actually, Paul, as we see here, Paul calls him his son in the faith. The idea that Paul, in many ways, is a kind of like a spiritual mentor to this, this young guy named Timothy. And their relationship and story is actually quite interesting, by the way. We have to go all the way back to the book of Acts to learn about it. But the, the author, Luke, records when Paul and Timothy come to meet each other and how their relationship took shape. Acts 16, verses 1 through 3, says this, that Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. As you continue reading throughout the book of Acts, you'll, you'll see that Timothy's name continues to come up as he, he joins Paul and others on these missionary journeys as they, as they go about the world, continuing to preach the, the gospel and the good news of who Jesus is. But one of the things that you'll notice right off the bat here from, from Luke's recording in Acts is a couple things about Timothy. First, he talks about his family. We learn that Timothy is the son of a Jewish mother who, who apparently had come to trust in Jesus, who identified as a Christian, but also the son of a Greek father who apparently did, did not seem to uh, hold to the same beliefs that they did. And we're going to talk about why that's important, by the way, later on today. But notice the other thing here is it says that we learned that Timothy was young, but he was well thought of in the community. You see, Timothy was a leader. He was a, he was a young leader, but he was a leader that Paul wanted to invest in. So that's why Paul brings him alongside in these missionary journeys. He continues to teach him and disciple him. So it's no surprise that, that eventually one day Paul would write a letter to his, his young disciple named Timothy by way of encouragement and admonition here. So let's, let's go back to 1 Timothy here beginning in verses 3 and 4, if you'll follow along with me here, Paul says this, When I left for Macedonia, I urged you, Timothy, stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to a meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Have you ever been in a really toxic situation that you just wanted to get out of? A bad relationship, a bad work environment, whatever it may be. But have you ever been in those situations where you just think, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to get out. That seems to be the issue that, that is going on with Timothy. As Paul writes this letter to him, we learn as part of his growth and discipleship, and you can see this in the book of Acts, that one of the places that Paul and this team went through was the city of Ephesus. They, they began to set up a church, and, and we learn here in, in this letter to Timothy that apparently Paul said, Timothy, I need you to stay here. 
right? What we're, what we're doing here in Ephesus, I need you to stay here. I want you to man the fort. And this was a pretty typical process because as, the, as these missionaries would go into these cities, into these places, they would start simply by preaching the gospel. They would go in and they would go into the synagogues and other places where people were and they would just start teaching the good news of Jesus. And then as they began to build up believers, of course, they would start churches. And of course, before they would leave, Paul and others would appoint leaders to help continue the work there. And we learned here that Paul had appointed Timothy to stay in this church here and continue the work here. But we learned that, that Paul... He, or that Timothy, he doesn't want to be there anymore. In fact, we, we learn that Timothy wants to rejoin Paul. He wants to go back on the mission field with Paul and others, but Paul is telling him, I need you to stay here. And verse 4 seems to tell us why, right? We, we learn exactly why Timothy was wanting to get out of here. It says, don't let them waste... Um, their time in endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. He says, stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth here, right? We learn that one of the reasons why Timothy wants out of here is because there were some really extremely difficult people within church. Even 2,000 years ago, interestingly enough, right, there's still the same issues that we have today even in the local church. But notice why they're difficult. We see that first off, that they were teaching things contrary to the truth. And of course, the truth there is referring to the good news and the gospel of Jesus. Paul says, look, I know that there's people talking about they're distorting the good news of Jesus. I want you to stop that, Timothy. And secondly, we learn here that there was, there was a lot of conversations that people were pursuing these worthless discussions around spiritual pedigree and, and you know, Miss all these these speculations that were going on. These these people, what they would do is they would they would begin to talk about their own family history and and why that was so important and why they felt that they were better than others as because of that. They would talk about the these myths, or in other words, in another way to put it is they were basically kind of conspiracy theories, if you will. And so none of which was fruitful. None of which was helping build up this church to pursue. God and pursue faith, right? But but capture the last part of, of verse four here. As Paul says, these things they they only lead to meaningless speculation. But but lean into this. This is really important. It says, and they do not help people live a life of faith in God. They're worthless, they're meaningless. And, and above all, they keep people from living a life of faith in God. Paul tells Timothy, you are there for a reason, Timothy, right? The what. What I've called you to do here is I want you to help point people back to what a life of faith in God is all about. That's why you're there. Right? Instead of, as, as we know that these conversations and things are leading people away from that, Timothy, the what that I've called you to do is I want you to help pe point people back to what this idea of a life of faith and all of, is all about. So that's the what. Verse 5, though, tells us why. And this is what's really important here. If you'll follow along with me here, 1 Timothy 1, verse 5 says this. Paul says, the purpose of my instruction, the purpose of our instruction, is that all believers would be filled with, hear this clearly, filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. 
Paul, what am I doing here? These people are driving me crazy. Why can't I come and join you and be back on the field? Paul says, well, the what that you're doing is putting an end to this, these meaningless discussions, right? The what that you're doing is helping point people back to a life of faith in God. But you want to know why, Timothy? You, you want to know why we're so committed to teaching the gospel of Jesus? You, you want to know why we're so dedicated towards helping people understand what a life of faith is? is about you want to understand uh, why we're so committed to teaching God's word. Timothy, it's all for one thing, love. You're there to help show people what love is. The purpose of our instruction, Paul tells us here, is that all of us, you and me, Timothy and Paul, all of us would be filled with love. Everything we do should have that one goal in mind. It's that we would all be filled with love. You see, I think the natural response to this could be something opposite, right? That when, when we were, if we were to complete the sentence that, well, the purpose of our instruction is, I think a lot of times, or it very easily could be that the purpose of instruction is to obtain knowledge, right? To gain wisdom. And yet, interestingly enough, that's not really what Paul says here. He says it actually goes beyond knowledge, right? That we, we don't just teach for the sake of gaining information. Timothy, I'm not just going around teaching the gospel. I'm not just going around teaching the Older Testament just for the mere sake that people have knowledge. No, he says it goes beyond that, that the purpose of our instruction is that all of us would be filled with love, of course, the next question, of, of course, is a love for what? what? What are we loving? What are we pursuing? And the answer is simple, right? This word love, it's, it's the famous Greek word agape, right? And agape, what, it literally translates into this idea of unconditional love, right? It's the strongest of all loves in the Greek culture. The Greeks had three different words for love, but agape was the, was the deepest, the richest, and the most beloved because uh, agape love is simply love no matter what, right? That no matter what someone does to us, says to us, that we would always love them. And of course, we see this very same idea, this word, used by Jesus himself, right? Jesus himself talks about what, what this idea of agape love is, and he gives us a clear answer to what, what are we to love? It's simple, right? What, in one of his discussions with some of the religious leaders, one of them came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the most important law of Moses? What is the most important commandment? And Jesus gives us clearly here, he says, that you must love, you must agape, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then he continues, and he says, and this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love, agape, your neighbor as yourself. Paul tells Timothy, he says, listen, Timothy, why we're here, the purpose of what we're doing is that all of us would be filled with an unconditional love for God and for others. That is what we're here to do, Timothy. Our greatest purpose in life, and this is true today for you and I, our greatest purpose in life is that we would come to love our Creator, that we would come to love Jesus, that we would come to love the Lord our God, and secondly, that we would come to love others. That is what we are destined to do. In one of his separate letters, Paul would 
expound on, on this idea of unconditional love in, in what is called the famous love chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you have heard it. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this chapter referred to a lot of times. And, and Paul breaks it down for us. He tells us why love is so important. And so I want you to hear right out of um, verses 1 through 3 out of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says this. He says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and, and capture this, if I understood all of God's knowledge and his secret plans, if I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such a faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, listen to this, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You capture that? Paul says that I could have all of this. I could have all the knowledge. I could have all these gifts and wonderful things, but without love, it's nothing. It's worthless. You see, I hope it never becomes cliche for us to say that what's most important in life is love. It's what we're designed to do. In fact, the Bible teaches us that that's, that's how God has written our hearts to be. That's what we are destined to be, is to come into a loving relationship with God and for others. It's the destination that we should all be pursuing. It's interesting, by the way. The, the word here, purpose, that, that we read, right, when he says the purpose of my instruction, your, your translation may say aim, it may say goal, but it's interesting that this is the Greek word telos, okay? Telos literally translated into the end, all right? And so really what, what, what we see here is that what Paul is writing is that the word telos, it literally meant to, this is the final destination, right? This is the last in a series of events. There really is nothing after this, right? In other words, um, there is no greater achievement that we could ever have than love. Love is the finish line. Everything that should culminate to this very end, this idea of loving God and others. And what's even more interesting to me is that this, very, this, this Greek word telos, it, it would have meant something even more in the Greek culture, and especially to a young Greek like Timothy, right? As we all know, the, the Greeks are known for far more things in life than just tr tremendous salads and restaurants. They, they have this amazing history involving so many influential people who have, who have quite literally changed the world that we live in, right? And one of which is this man right here. You may not recognize him, but you're probably going to recognize his name, and you've probably been taught things about him. But this is the great Greek philosopher Aristotle. Aristotle is, is arguably the, the best-known, greatest of all Greek philosophers, and, and many would argue that Aristotle is perhaps the most influential philosopher of all time, and that's that's in a tremendous list of great thinkers throughout throughout time. But you know, he, he, Aristotle is extremely important. If you've ever taken a philosophy class, if you've ever read books, or you've even had a discussion around philosophy, there's a very very good chance that this man's name comes up. He he his work continues to be discussed today. There's so many things that he does. Um, he was a, he was a student of the great Plato. 
and he lived a few hundred years even before Jesus and Paul and Timothy, but there's no doubt that, that the teaching of Aristotle continued to influence the Greek and the Roman world of the day in which Paul writes this, right? He's known for so many great works, but interestingly enough, one of Aristotle's greatest contributions, one of his main focuses in, in his, his life and career was focused around the very word telos. As with all Greek philosophers, Aristotle spent a tremendous amount of time focusing upon the meaning, the definition, uh, the, the, all aspects of life itself. And, and he believed that humans have a telos, that we all have an end. And he believed that there was a supreme end, if you will, that life is best fulfilled when we reached that telos, when we've reached our own end. And so, for example, one of the things that he would argue is if you were to take a simple acorn, right? right we have these all in our yard, right? He would take the acorn, he'd say, the telos of an acorn would be that it would grow up into becoming a mighty tree. Right, that it would grow into a big oak tree that, that would bear fruit by way of above leaves and even more acorns, right? And likewise, he said the, the same is true for man, that there is a destination, there is an end for man, and the destination, according to Aristotle, was reason. You see, he, he argued that reason is what separated mankind from everything else in the world. And he said that was what the, the gift that we had that, that separated us. And he said, so the, the, the greatest end for man, the telos, if you will, for us is our ability to reason. And, and he said that w when we would pursue reason, he would say that that's where we would find, he called this word the eudaimonia, what was called true happiness, if you will. Well, I don't think it's any surprise here that Paul, writing to a young Greek, knowing that, that this Greek would speak to other Greeks, that, that this letter would be read in local churches throughout the, the Greek and Roman world, it, it comes as no surprise to me that, that Paul comes out and he says, you want to know what the greatest destination in life is? It's not reason, it's love. Love is the goal that we should all be pursuing because love is the greatest of all. If you continue reading in 1 Corinthians 13, um, the, the famous love chapter here, we, we see that Paul gives perfect clarity on, on, on practical examples of what unconditional love is all about. And you've you maybe heard these verses before, but verse 4, Paul continues on in this chapter. And he, says, he says that love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth went out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Verse 8, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But capture this, but love will last forever. He, he ends this great chapter about love, and, and he says these final words here. He says, three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. And capture this, the greatest of these, you guessed it, is love. Three gifts from God 
faith, hope, and love. And Paul says, always remember that the greatest of these is love. I wonder today what it looks like for us to keep that perspective in mind. I wonder what it looks like to, to keep in this idea in mind that, that above all things, what, what our greatest pursuit is to love God and to love others. I wonder how many times do we let our own agendas take precedence of our love for others? I wonder how many times, and I'll, this includes me here, I wonder how many times parents, you know, forget to, to set a vision for our kids that the greatest thing in life is a love for Jesus. Instead, we replace it with accomplishments and achievements. I wonder how many times we as parents fail to set the vision that the greatest thing in life is a love for God and for others. How often do we let pride get in the way of healthy relationships that, that, we're, that we pursue pride over love? This week, I, I, I had a very humbling and convicting moment in my life. Um, I, had, um, I had made a couple comments to a couple people, and in my mind, I believe them just to be direct and forthright, but it comes to find out that, in fact, my comments weren't so much direct and forthright as they were disrespectful. I, I had gotten home, and I was talking with my wife, and I was telling her about my conversation with these people, and, and I told her what I said. And, and, and I think I was telling her, it was like, by looking for affirmation, right? I was telling her, like, I was trying to defend my argument and why I said these things. And, and she looked at me and she said, that seems a little harsh. That's, that seems like it could have been really rude, what you said. And of course, my natural, my first thought in my mind was, yeah, right, come on. No, 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 you just don't understand. Well, sure enough, the, the Spirit of God began working in my heart, and, 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 and as I began diving into this passage, I began to pray about it. I said, you know, God, was I wrong in that? And God's Spirit instantly convicted me because when I read this passage, that you know, the, the purpose of our instruction is love, I realized at that moment that I didn't love these two people. I failed. I realized that, in fact, my comments were disrespectful. They were rude. They were unwarranted. And by no means were they loving and uplifting to these people. And so I had to ask for forgiveness. I had to come forth and say, I, I, I need you to hear from me that what I did was wrong, that I shouldn't have said that, that was out of line, and I hope you can forgive me. And because of their own grace, they did. You see... One of the things that I think is so hard to understand about this passage and the, the whole idea of love in general is that love doesn't always make sense. Um, it, it's not always logical. It doesn't seem that way, and it certainly doesn't to me at times, but that's why it, it's so great, is that when we, when we really unpack the idea of love, when we, when we take this verse seriously, that the, that the purpose of instruction is, is that we would be, be filled with love, right? We, we can't help but come to the person of Jesus. You see, when we look at who Jesus is, when we look at his life and his ministry, we, we begin to see why this is so important because there is no greater love than Jesus, no one has demonstrated love in a deeper way than Jesus has, right? When we consider the gospel message, this thing that Paul and Timothy were committed to, that, that, 
God, in his love for us, he looked at us, he saw our sinful, broken nature, and, and he saw that it separated us from him. And he said, I, the only way to restore that is by sending my own son, Jesus, to live a perfect, sinless life, to go to that cross willingly and die for, for you and for me. And that through faith and faith alone, we can enter into this loving, gracious relationship. You see, this is important because, as I said, the greatest destination, the, the, the purpose of what you and I are here is, is that we would come to know and love God and to love others. But capture this, we cannot do that without Jesus. Jesus sets, the, the, he, he paves the way for us in order to do that. Jesus is love. He's the one that provides that opportunity, and that's where we have to lean into today. As, as we pursue this idea of how, what does it look like for me to be filled with love? What does it look like for me to set love as the precedent above all things, first for God and then for others? And it has to begin with the person of Jesus. It has to begin with his life and what he's done for us and trust in him and him alone to live this very nature out. So today, I, I, want, I hope this is encouraging for you as we think about what is our telos, what is our end goal in mind, may we begin to lean in that today that, that what we pursue above all things is love for God and love for others, and may we ask Christ to walk us through that. That's our bottom line here today, is that to know God is to love God, and to love God is to love others. Will you join me in prayer as we close today? Jesus, thank you for being love itself to us. Thank you that um, you looked down upon us, and, and because of your great love, Father, you, you interceded on our behalf. You saw that we were broken sinners. You saw that, that we were separated from you, right? That the, the number one um, purpose in our life is that we would be in fellowship and relationship with you. And God, you, you knew and you looked down on us and you saw that that was not going to happen on our own accord. But you went to the cross on our behalf. You bore our own sins. You, you were able to wash us clean of that. And Father, that gospel message, that greatest of all truth is what allows us to enter into this idea of loving you and thereby loving others. Father, may we this week make love the priority. May, may we, as we begin, as we continue to be filled with knowledge, Father, may it all point us to this great end destination of love. And may we trust in you throughout this entire week for that very thing. Jesus, thank you. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Is he not the God who parted the seed? Is he not the one who heals our disease? Is he not the source of all that we need? You're all that we need. Is he not the God who emptied the grave? Is he not the one who breaks every chain? Is he not the one still with us today? You're with us today. Is he not the God?
Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City. If you would, no matter where you are right now, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.